Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome to another edition of PZ85 Plays. I am your Marshal Double Agent. Tonight we head back to the horror at Headstone Hill as our Deadlands the Weird West game continues. Allow me to introduce you to your cast, beginning with the co-owner and creator of Popular 1985, playing old reluctant Gillian Legion, is Shannon Young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah. I had to go back and, and parse through it in my head. You're right. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Playing Dr. Emmett Durandall is Stephen Bright. Oh wow, you're skipping everyone else. I'm usually the last one. What? I didn't skip anyone. I'm gonna introduce them as well. <laughs> I just moved you up in the line. Aww, hey, playing you. Fern Hawthorne is Lindsay Wolfgong. No, I'm gonna interrupt you now. Ah, finally have a new freaking cooling system in my computer, so we should not have any more problems. I was afraid she was going to date him once upon a time. <clears throat> and yet it's going to be very, very cold outside, but not where the man Kaz lives. He's playing uh, Thatcher Kane. That's that's Mr. Casper. Hello, hello. It is definitely not cold. I don't think no. I don't like <laughs> anything. Shannon, you sound like you have something to say. Do you? Well, since you pulled my leg about it, let me go ahead and just start <laughs> off the show by apologizing to the crowd for <laughs> our absence last week. I can explain that. Um, you may remember from years past, a gentleman by the name of Billy Wolfert. He was the king of the peanut gallery. He's a good friend of the show. A.K.A. Null. Null. And uh, he's my assistant manager. Well, I guess technically he'd be my manager at the store since I'm the owner. Point is, uh, the little little wolf boy got me sick, some kind of animal flu. And I was sick for six days. Five of those days, <laughs> I was laid up in a chair, unable to move. Um, I did not communicate with Bleary people. Bleary to the hell. Uh, it was terrible. It was one of the worst sicknesses yeah. I've ever been through. And we canceled all the shows last Bad. week. And I am now at a point where I'm... Except hoping. this one. Except this one. Well, yeah. yeah. This was the only show last week, yeah. It's been one week. Ended. Right. So, yeah. We should be back to normal now. I'm feeling, I'm feeling better. I still can't taste, but I can breathe. Uh, I got cough, but other than that, we're okay. So, I'm sorry that if you're a romantic and you were looking forward to all the, the romance films, <laughs> Rom -com. Oh, well. You get one more tomorrow, and it's the one I already watched. So. <laughs> is, it, was, is it still the, the, the proposal? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The scrapbook. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would prefer that we do the proposal given that I've already watched it and written the notes for it. So, yes, please. Uh, the proposal it is. So, uh, instead, instead of it being rom com February, it was Sandra Bullock twofer. Sandra Bullock February. Yeah, that's it. A, a double feature. Um, that I, I was going to say when this when we said this is the last show that we did last week uh when we do this where we go a, a full week from one show to the next we call that around the the pz85 offices the the bare naked lady special. It's been one week since you heard from us. And now we're back. <laughs> um, we got things to talk so, about I mean, tonight on After Dark. Let's start with the motherfucker <laughs> of the week. Shen, no, no, Shen, hey, Shen, Shen, it's Tuesday, not Thursday. Ah. Oh, who's the motherfucker? We gotta wait a couple more days for now. That's what we call Podzilla 1985. I was gonna say, we already have a plan for Thursday, so. <laughs> but you're also no in it. Tabletop. You also play a character. So when we left off last, um, just to give a brief recap for the audience, and again, you're, you're jumping in at a good time if this is your first episode. There's only a handful to go back and catch up on on podzilla1985.com. Um, 
our group, our team of members of the Twilight Legion arrived in, uh, well, depending on what you want to call it, Terrytown, Heaston Hill, or Headstone Hill. Um, but they arrived, finally, as of our last uh, adventure. They stowed their horses and vehicular transports away at the livery stable. Uh, they found lodging over at the Heaston Hill Inn. Uh, or Heaston Hill Hotel, I should say. Uh, and at the end of the night, they sort of parted ways to some degree. One member headed off on his own down the down the street, uh, right past the old music hall saloon where he heard the musical stylings of uh, the resident celebrity in Heaston Hill, who we'll talk more about in just a little bit. But the rest of you, as I recall, headed to the Red Door Saloon, yes? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, well, then that's where we're going to pick up, unless anyone has anything to add before we get to it. I'll take that as a no. All right. Um, I'm going to pick up with the group that was uh, heading into the saloon. We'll double back in a second to uh, old reluctant there. So the rest of you headed inside the, the Red Door Saloon. So again, importantly, at this point in time, it is uh, approximately... 10 o'clock at night it's getting late into the evening we're past dinner time we're past when most people are are sort of um relaxing for the night shannon i am feeding back i can hear it coming from you you're lighting up i don't know where it's coming from but it's it's uh, finally starting to get to me that's fine well, here's the important thing is i can't hear it and if i can't hear it that means okay. they can't hear it but i will okay. I will switch over to my um I'll switch over to my well, You don't have to do all of that. No, it, it, no, it's, it's no, there's complaints. All right. <laughs> there. Ooh, that hey, should stop yeah, it. That, yep, I'm going to turn you down just a little bit. I'm <laughs> really good now. There we go. Okay. So, you all head into the Red Door Saloon, which is like basically right in the middle of town. Um at this point, you don't know a ton about it other than it is the oldest saloon in town that is run by a man named George Gleason, but everyone calls him Beam, B-E-A-M, um, and that this place has been here since 1879. He put it in place. He has been running it ever since. Uh, it's a very... Uh, it, it, it doesn't cater to a particular audience. You're not going to find the fanciest in town here, but you're also not going to find a bunch of lowlifes or ne'er-do-wells or anything. It's a very uh, common type bar. Um, the big the big draw of this particular place, other than the fact that it's been around for a long time, uh, is that there is a big wooden door that's painted bright red, naturally, uh, that is kind of basically in the middle of, of the, the bar uh, against what's a rocky sort of outcropping wall. One wall of the, the bar itself is actually like built up rocky outcropping, basically, like you would have like heading up into the mountains. Um, and there's a door that's literally set into it, kind of at an angle, like you would have like a, um, like you head out down into a basement, an exterior basement. Um, there's a sign, hand-painted sign near it, that says, um, try your luck, $1. And there is hanging there a small pickaxe that looks like it's been used a lot, it's not in great shape, uh, and a bucket. You guys know, the three of you who, who walked in here know pretty quickly, this is what passes for entertainment at the Red Door Saloon. Uh, there is no music. There is nowhere for a band to set up or anything to play. Uh, and basically, the place is not dead by any means. There are a handful of people milling about, but uh, it's just a bit of conversation, and uh, you don't currently hear any like 
picking down down that way. Um, it's not that it's not a lively place or a, or, or a fun place, but it's not. Um, if you're looking for like big time entertainment, this is not the place to go. This is an old established place. The barflies would hang out here during the day, that kind of thing. So do with that what you will. But uh, as you come in, you see there is a, a very old gentleman who is behind the bar. A shock of white hair. Uh, he's got like a simple white apron tied around a flannel shirt. Um, he's got a, a, the old towel hanging over his shoulder. It's stained clearly. And he looks up from the wooden rail at all of you and kind of tosses you a little salute and goes right back to it. It looks like he's uh, serving customers who are lined up there at the rail. Two or three, uh, again, older gentlemen, probably minors. They look dirty um, like you would after a day's work. Sorry, if we were in a saloon and you said minors, I was like, this establishment is definitely illegal. <laughs> I'm going to have to start doing this at the beginning of every one of these episodes. Anytime I use the word minor, it's spelled <laughs> M-I-N-E-R. <laughs> I will never, to the best of my knowledge, ever have to talk about anything with the phrase M-I-N-O-R in this campaign. We could, we could do like... like uh, minor uh, as in profession, not could, minor yeah, as in individual. Yes, they're, they're mole people. <laughs> the mole people. Now you could call them that if you want to start a fight. I mean, if that's the way you want to do it tonight, then <laughs> it's, it's, it's said in jest. I didn't say that. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, as far as the scene here, for from Thatcher's point of view, when he walks in, he is very much looking for somebody's ear to bend, somebody to talk to, learn a bit more about the goings-on of this local community. And it, as is his nature, he's just looking for a scoop, right? Like, for you know. And sure. um, so inside this bar, like, there's the bartender. That's, that's, that's too obvious. Is there any, anybody around? Is there anybody, like, solo sitting at a table? Anybody just kind of, like, trying to kind of do their own thing? Uh, but not necessarily looking like they're ready to be violent. The the handful of the handful of people that are are sitting around this establishment right now uh, come in one of a couple of different varieties. Mm -hmm. Most of them are partnered up. At least there's at least two of them, and they're chatting. And if you you know even give their conversation a cursory listen, it's all about mining. It's all about where the next seam is going to be, where the next big break is coming, um, how much they pulled in that day, whatever. Uh, think of the old guys that go to the coffee shop at five o'clock in the morning. Like they're there the moment the doors open, you go to yeah. get a donut and those guys are in those seats all the time. It's that, but with like, you know, beer steins. Um, the other variety is of the quite inebriated kind. The ones who have like maybe a couple of empty steins around them and are, uh, we're not talking about stumbling around making a mess right. of themselves, but if you look at them, you can kind of see the beer sloshing behind their eyes. Like they're, they're, they're drinking to forget something. Maybe, um, Ooh. maybe watch out in the in the bench. Maybe didn't uh, quite make the the steak they thought they were going to make. Maybe looking at pulling up steaks and leaving town. Hard to say for sure without talking to them. But there's there's at least one or two of those kinds of guys. Those are the only people who are sitting alone. So so Thatcher pretty much takes this opportunity. Hey, you don't want to approach anybody without a beer in hand. So that's the first thing that he does. Step the first sure. is going to the bar, 
seems like a kind fellow with his his towel and white hair serving drinks. So I'm assuming it's not very busy in here, so I don't have to wait too long. No. I pretty much ask for a whiskey, you know, neat. Yep. Uh, uh, I, I'm ready to kind of like start my my drinking for the evening. <clears throat> and once he has this in hand, he just starts to kind of like veer away from the group. I'm assuming the others are with us, uh, with me, yeah. um, but kind of doing their own thing. So Thatcher just kind of like starts to meander around the bar, not necessarily talking with anyone yet. He's mostly just scouting and listening for any anybody to say or drop anything that is going to pull his interest, right? He doesn't want to just immediately approach somebody based on looks alone. He's waiting yeah. for something to come up that's interesting. So that's just what he's going to do for a couple of rounds around the bar. Okay. Uh, while I'm looking at something there, what do the other two of you want to do as this is ongoing? Uh, if he's going to wander, I probably would have just found a spot up by the bar, got myself a drink, and kind of doing the same bit of eavesdropping a little bit and maybe waiting for a moment when the bartender's free and I might... Uh, pick his ear a little bit when he has a moment. Okay. And Emmett? Um, yeah, I'm probably parched from the evening, so I'm just going to go up to the bar and uh, try to wave someone down to grab, uh, get a drink. Okay. Um, so you guys know pretty quickly, just by by looking at the scene here, that... Um, the bartender is the bartender. George Leeson is not only the owner and proprietor, but he's the guy running the show here. Um, even though the place is relatively busy, is not the right word, but there's kind of a steady stream of customers. Every time somebody gets up and kind of stumbles their way out or, a you know, a couple of gentlemen get up and part ways and then take off another couple seem to replace them. And, and George might be an old guy, but he's, Sprightly is not the right word, but he is spry. I mean, he he keeps himself, you know, busy and moving about. Um, so it may take a couple of minutes for him to get to you since there are a handful of other people who have kind of uh, bellied up to the bar as it is. But eventually, yeah, he does come over and, and ask what you're drinking. Once you confirm, he'll pour you a couple of whiskeys. Those are uh, those are 10 cents, by the way, a piece. Anybody who is who is indulging there. Um, okay. Uh, with the two of you at the bar, since we're going to give um, Thatcher another round to kind of see what's going on out there. Not literal round, but you know what I mean. Um, George, again, a, a pretty genial guy, that shock of white hair. He looks at the two of you and says, well, ain't seen you two around here before. What brings you out this way? In town looking for someone. I don't suppose you uh, recall a miner by the name of uh, Lynn Buckles? He kind of scratches his, uh, his head um, dangerously close to the beer steins, by the way. It's a little nasty. Because, um, I mean, he's in good shape, but eh, all these guys live in the woods or in the, the, the mountains, right? And it's, everything's a little uh, dusty at any given point in time. Plus, it's very cold. Um, but he, he scratches and kind of thinks this is buckles land, but that, that sounds familiar. Um, what's he look like? I don't have a look. He contacted me about wanting to buy a horse and I was supposed to meet up with him and I have not heard from him in a while. Okay. Um, he scratches his head again. 
Make uh sorry, let me take a look at your skills real quick and I'll tell you what I want to see here. What you might have that would work for this. Yeah, you don't really have any anything in the way of like networking or anything like that, do you? Um closest I have maybe per be persuasion, but Persuasion, but you're not actively trying to, to get into that, right? You're no. just kinda generally I'm conversing. Kind of casual, with yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna make you make you roll for that then. Um the course of this conversation takes a little longer than maybe we're playing it out, so Maybe over about 15 minutes, <clears throat> you kind of, you know, introduce yourself and discuss the situation. He maybe talks to you about horses a little bit. But somewhere along the way in there, he says, Lynn Buckles. Why that name sounds familiar, but I can't, I can't place it. Now, if if and you can't find him, uh, you ought to ask after him over in Marshall Wister's office. Eh, maybe the law could help. That was going to be the my only next thing. step. And he, he kind of gives you a genial nod. He'll, uh, free of charge, he'll top off your drink for whatever you've already managed to drink at this point. Yep. I'll thank him for his time and just kind of, like, take my drink slowly and kind of watch the room a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Um, Thatcher, a little bit into your your uh, waiting here, just kind of listening to see what takes place and who's talking about stuff. Um, while you're kind of eyeballing maybe some of these solo players, you do hear a couple of of older gentlemen um, having a, a conversation, and you pick up on the phrase power station. Listen a little more closely, uh, and you hear these guys start talking about the, the, the power station in town. Uh, you get the idea that what they're discussing is what powers those electric lights that are out on the streets, which, of course, are, are very uncommon. Um, the course of their conversation steers toward the supernatural and the superstitious and the the basically... They're not sure that any of this is the case. You know how it is with old guys. They all think they know everything, but every once in a while they'll let Luca, hey, you know, that's just what I heard, that sort of thing. But <clears throat> at one point in time, one of them says that um, that wail and scream that everyone hears on the winds, that's coming from that power station. You know, there was an engineer who died there. He's the only one who managed to get that thing up and running, but cost him his life, and now... He comes back every night to haunt this place. And the other one, oh, shut up. You're trying to give me nightmares, you know, and, and the conversation kind of steers away. That's really the only thing of of note that comes from, from their discussion. So Thatcher, definitely enamored, definitely takes note of, of this conversation, unique to everything else uh, going on. Um Kind of zeroes in on this crew, you know, walks up, kind of even in gents, uh, you know, greets him with kind of a friendly smile, um, casual tone, inviting. He's trying to, you know, be affable here. Uh, and he just asked mind if I join in on on this. I hear you talking about uh, some interesting, some interesting uh, voices and whispers on the wind. And um, he, 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 I've got some stories of my own. I'd love to learn. I'd love to share and then learn from yours and, and hear your story. Um, it's not immediately what I would call a cold shoulder, but you can tell even as you're, you're trying to kind of pace this conversation out, kind of trying to, to put these things out there. Um, these guys are definitely mining folk, right? Yep. They're, they're day laborers. Um, and 
I'm assuming you have like your pad and pan out. Like, can they see? Yeah, they, can they see that you've got really pad and pan out? Like, okay, Thatcher's a learned story to, uh, story gatherer. You know, getting sure. copies. He knows that people have, are a little bit off putting when it comes to somebody writing stuff down. So, right. what he tends to do is he likes to kind of like jump in, like with this particular situation. Um, Thatcher feels an opportunity to kind of interject with his own kind of story hearing voices and so forth just to kind of like set the tone and starts telling him about you know this time when he was at kind of in the wood in these what he calls the whispering woods um and he recounts this kind of eerie encounter with these gentlemen it felt similar uh and and he just you know he felt drawn to him because you know he he his, his, many years ago he was kind of walking through this particular woods and he stumbled upon this kind of grove shrouded in a very misty area um, and he delves into this story, describing kind of strange whispers that he heard emanating from the very trees themselves uh, around him, and um, and just kind of tries to use this as a as a way to kind of pull them in and gather and and, and kind of be, not necessarily become one of them. Obviously, he knows he's not a miner, he's not blue collar sure. like these guys, so he's not trying to fake that. He's just showing a genuine interest in their story and using his own story to draw them in. Okay. Um, I am going to have you make a persuasion roll. Will do. Because while they are interested, um, you are outsiders, not the right term necessarily, but Fair. you are. You ain't their yeah, kind. Sort of. You're not a minor. Yeah, precisely, precisely. I am not a minor, minor. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that is whatever my dice is for persuasion plus a d6, right? Plus a d6. That's correct. All right. This is going to wait. Let me do this. Row one, six. And then, all right, and then row one, D, six. That's the wrong one. Let me do that one. All right, six. That's an explosion. Ooh, that one aced. Yeah, so roll that one again. Nice. Row. Explode it again. D, six. Go boom, go boom, go boom. Nah, that's okay. That's six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, so a nine total. Um, That is... Definitely enough to, it starts out very, you know, who is this guy and what's going on? But the more you talk, the more it <laughs> gets their attention. That. Yeah, the, the more you talk, the more it gets their attention. In fact, so much so that specifically you notice that when you start using the phrase like whispering woods, um, this perks their ears a little bit. This gets their attention. And and you're the kind that you you've done this sort of thing so long you can both continue talking and kind of, you know, edge them out a little bit, like figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely strikes you, bumps you in some way that they, they perk up at this. And sure enough, as soon as you kind of finish the, the tale that you were spinning, um, these guys immediately start in about, oh yeah, you you got to be careful invoking the idea of whispering woods, son. You know, we're surrounded by by here up in the Uintazis pines and, and all that. Uh, you know, why why my mama used to tell me and they go on into very similar type of, of stories about um the uh Ute Indians. Uh they they talk about how basically they stalk the woods supposedly and that they're out there waiting to to get anybody who goes through. They say if you're not careful when you head into the the pines in and around here, oh you'll never you'll never find your way out. Those those very woods shift and turn. Um 
And you know exactly where they're talking about, actually, if you take a look at that map. Uh, you guys basically came through a portion of that area. The Lone Tree Trail is one of the very uh, only specific trails with that bridge there that leads right through it off to the, the east of the map there. Um, pretty much, if you're headed out that way, you're either heading completely out of town on that one path or you're heading up to Fort Bridger up in the north there. Uh, other than that, nobody goes out into those pines. They know better than that. You, you might just not come back. Interesting. You know, I I am one to always kind of, I love a good story. I love a good kind of historical context. With here, it sounds like it's something that's more potentially true than than, than false. Uh, would you mind if I just kind of like took notes and just, just I'm, I'm very interested in, in what you know about this uh, Lone Street Trail and why y'all might not go out there? Yeah, yeah, no, they seem affable to it. At this point in time, they've had enough to drink. They're a little more opened up. Um, however, I will tell you that their conversation kind of um, trends away from that pretty quickly. They make it sound like, oh, yeah, that's what we want to talk about. But it's a combination of they're old, they're drunk, and they're excited. All three of All right. these things kind of come together. So. Yeah, yeah. So so they really don't talk much about the woods past that. Um, but they do kind of start talking about things around town. So things that you you might know. So one thing you'd already learned was that Heaston Hill wasn't already called this. It was called Terrytown, right? You learned this before. T-A-R-R-Y Town. It was founded in 1879 by Standish and Angel Epp, E-P-P. Um, they are the original owners of what's called the Frontier Store here, a place that is still up and running. It's now run by a guy named Frank Debony. Um, Jerem Heaston's people are the ones who renamed it in August of 1883, not that long ago. And they're the ones who have moved in, put in the electric lights. They have the big mansion up on the hill, that sort of thing. Uh, the Heaston Mining Company, of course. Um, you do also learn along the, the conversation there that... Uh, the, the Heaston Mining Company has really been doing their best to make a big push to get the independent miners to join up with them. Um, this kind of came to a head about a month ago, and you'll recall, as this is mentioned, that you have a, a newspaper clipping that speaks about this. There was a big explosion up on what they are now regularly referring to as the headstone. This is Terrytown Bench, that big uh, set of rock that you saw when you were on your way in. Um there was a big explosion there, killed some miners in the wake of it. Jerem Heaston said it was an awful tragedy and that, you know, this is the kind of thing that he wants to have all the miners working with him so that when these things happen, their families are taken care of. They can prevent these kinds of accidents, etc. cetera. Um, but there's certainly some hints that maybe this wasn't quite the uh, accident that it could have been. There are at least a few people, and now this part is spoken in hushed whispers, who believe that Heaston is doing everything he can to make sure that if the miners aren't going to work with him, they're not going to work at all or do much of anything else going on from there. Other than that, their conversation meanders about here and there. You know, oh, you remember back at time in 1866 when we was on, on a trail and it, it's just, they're all, no, you idiot, it was 1868. And they, you know, it's, they kind of wear themselves out with this. This goes on for however long you're willing to entertain it, but realistically um, you get a, maybe a, a good hour out of them before they're going to kind of try to shake it off, sober off and, and stumble home. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, I feel 
satisfied and gathering kind of some more information. It's not zero, so yeah. every little bit helps. And I just kind of start to finish off my my cup, and I look to my uh, my my compatriots over here just to see what they're up to. Okay. Over the course of this time frame, what are the rest of you doing? In particular, um, uh, Doctor Doctor Durandall, what have you been up to here? Oh, I think I got my drink. Was just waiting around. Still not quite sure, like what we're doing. Honestly, I'm just waiting until we go to the next step of the mission. And I don't know why these people are just hanging around talking, but it gives me time to think <laughs> about, you know, other things about inventions that I need to keep working on and what parts I need. So basically, just doing a mental like checklist in my head okay. to see basically what I need to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> how um how are you when it comes to to drinking you man that holds this liquor all right you drink a lot i don't think i drink a lot like it's not okay. like an everyday sort of thing more like okay. you know every once in a while if i'm feeling it so i so probably not, not taking kind... i'm not drinking Sorry, go ahead. like i'm not like Sure. Breathing it in, you know. <laughs> yeah. You're not the kind to get lost in your thoughts and end up drinking a little too much is what I'm asking. Oh, I could see myself actually doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's, so, he's just a little bit too far, like, in his head that he doesn't realize, you know, exactly what he's doing. Yeah. He just puts the glass so, down. The bartender thinks he wants another shot, and he doesn't say no. And uh, yeah. it's like, ooh, more drink. Absolutely. Do me a favor. Make a make a vigor check. Yeah. Roll a d six with your vigor as well. We're gonna see just how okay. um, how many times that happens to you yeah. over the course of the night here. <laughs> Where's my vigor? Oh, a d six and a d six. Okay. Uh, yep. First roll. That's a three. Okay. And then that's a four. Okay. Um. I would say over the course of this evening, you nurse them a little better than you might have. Um, otherwise, if you'd really let your, your mind wander. Uh, okay. But you do you do imbibe about two or three, and you kind of realize at the end of the third one, first, it looks like Thatcher might be wrapping up his conversations. And second, like, mm -hmm. whoa, whoa. <laughs> Maybe you stand up for the first time in a while and have that little uh, the elevator little wobble. drops out. Yeah. Not that you know what an <laughs> elevator is, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a theory about that. <laughs> um fern over the course of this time frame uh again you said you were kind of just observing things as well since you had actually already spoken uh to george gleason you do also learn from him and he's not uh he's not creepy like he doesn't spend too much time talking to you since you're the only woman there or anything like that but since you were affable to him in the first place every time that he kind of makes a run back to like refill a drink or is near you he shares another little bit of information about his own place nothing about town at all but he does explain basically the way the the red door is set up you know he he notes that yeah okay on the outside it's it's patchwork right i've thrown together what i could get here and there logs weather board and tin it might not look promising but he points to the door as another group of people come in hey that speaks for itself you know um he does also point at one point in time to the rock wall that's that's you know serving as one wall of it. He says, you know, back in 1879, this was just an oil cloth tent that we rigged up against that rock to keep the rain out of the shot glasses. That wall, that took care of one wall for me. I didn't see any reason to ever switch it out, you know. 
Um, he explains that he used to mine gold from the tunnels that are under that rock. That's how the door got into place there. And when that scene played out, he shifted into full-time barkeeping and basically the town grew up around him, even though he wasn't quite the founder. Um, he really was the first kind of establishment in town. Um, and then he kind of points out what you've already seen, you know, for a dollar, you can climb down there with a, with the ax and bucket and try your luck. Um, not many people have ever come away with anything more than a dust or a, you know, a little pouch of dust or a nugget here and there, but every once in a while, somebody finds something of interest and he's happy to, to make it an option for him, you know, keeps them clean, keeps them honest. Um, one last little bit of information he passes as the night goes on is that, um, you know, you might want to reserve a seat in a couple of days. And he laughs at that. He kind of leans over and slaps his knee. Cause of course it's not a thing he does. Um, but the honorable Jesse Knight, the honorable judge, Jesse Knight, uh, comes through each month or so to kind of mete out justice here. You'll remember at this point in time in history, um, judges are on the move. They don't generally work one very specific place. They move about the County. And so they have a standing appointment with this, uh, honorable judge Knight, to come around once a month and, and handle any existing cases here. So Marshall Lister meets him there. Um, there is a, a local um, lawyer. Oh, I couldn't think of the, the name there for a second. <laughs> word. Um, there's a local lawyer there who kind of stands in to defend the accused and all that. And he says it'll be a couple of days before he gets back in town. But those are just some little pieces of info he passes as the night goes on. I'd thank him for the information at the end of the night that I'd be ready to move along and make note of the judge coming to town for sure. And after maybe having a second drink, I might be keeping an eye on uh, Emmett and look down for Thatcher and maybe make the (laughs) the suggestion that we call it a night. Okay. So quickly before we, sorry, go ahead. You're good. No, Thatcher's definitely feeling the same, uh, he he's satisfied in what he's gathered. He's made a night of it. He's had a drink, enjoyed some time with these new friends. But yeah. the sooner he goes to bed, the more the the sooner tomorrow comes with a whole new surprises. Sure. And it is now again getting later into the evening. Maybe it's eleven, eleven thirty. Um, but before we resolve those situations here, and you guys are paying up your tab, Killian, when we left you. On the previous episode, you were wandering down uh, Main Street, as I recall. You had passed the Music Hall Saloon, which is, if you're looking at the map, number 38 there. Um, and you were basically coming up on the intersection of, uh, of Terrytown Street there, along with the, the street that you were on, on Main Street. Um, you were having something of a conversation. And... We didn't quite get all the details of that, but it certainly felt like there was something behind you, around you, near you, uh, and you had turned back to see what it was, but there was nothing there in sight. And the haunting sounds of Lila Denslow had faded away back in the music hall saloon. What have you been doing in that time frame? Mostly I've been listening to those guys talk. Um, Yeah. 30 minutes. I didn't think I was in this episode. I was starting to wonder. Um, <laughs> uh, no, you're in the credits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have a cameo. Um, I believe Killian. Special guest appearance by. Best special guest appearance by uh, co-owner of Podzilla. Um, <laughs> well, I'll never hear the end of that. 
<laughs> well, he won't. Um, I don't know what that. I don't know what that means. I I think if, if he he left uh, with this argument that he was having with if you weren't if you didn't know any better it was he was having it with himself. He was working through some things. He was talking out loud to somebody. But the sounds of the music seems like a good distraction, and he's always looking for a good distraction to silence those voices. So he would honestly probably wander himself towards that delicious singing. Okay. Delicious. Right. <laughs> so it had. Plus, he likes the women. In many ways. <clears throat> yeah, in many ways, it had. Uh, that, that particular song, anyway, had wrapped up. Um, but yeah, the sound of the crowd would, would maybe draw you back that way. Um, so the music hall saloon is not that far from where you are. Pretty much you were just kind of almost steps away. Um, but you can turn and, and stride back to it pretty quickly. This place is hopping. So first of all, it's a three story building. Um, the ground floor has a big open stage area toward the back that takes up like about two stories, effectively all the way up to the ceiling. And then around the top there, basically you're walking in underneath like a balcony. Um, there's almost like a lobby out front. It's more set up like a theater in a lot of ways than it is an actual saloon. But once you get inside, there's an open kind of dance floor. Uh, there are again, some like balcony seating places up above, and there are an awful lot of people there uh, at the, at this particular point of the night. Um, there is importantly <clears throat> a rather large gentleman at the door as you're coming up. You can see this stuff from where you are uh, that what I was just describing, but um, there's a, a really big guy who is uh, in a pretty nice suit would be a strong term, um, but a pretty nice set of duds. Is he a big really oily nice, guy or uh, pretty clean? He's not as oily as you might think. Um, okay. <laughs> he's not going to ask you how much you're enjoying the shrimp just yet, but uh <laughs> Um, but he is, uh, hanging out by the door. And as, as you walk up, um, this is a guy, he's mostly in gray, um, keeping his hands in front of him. I mean, a very clear doorman to some degree, he starts kind of sizing you up from the distance. He's got probably, how tall are you? Oh God. Uh, six, three, I think. Let me see. Okay. Hey. He's he's got a couple inches on you. I mean, he's a big dude. Six four. Um, six four. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's got one or two inches on you. Maybe not much, uh, but enough to at least get your attention because you're a big guy and there's not many that are bigger than you that you run into on a on a red you know regular basis. Um, he doesn't stop you at the door at first, but as you start to walk in, you're almost kind of snapped out of a, a reverie. He does have his hand out. Um, it's gentle. It's not, it's, it's firm, uh, but it, it's not a, you know, he's not shoving you back or anything. And in a pretty deep voice, he's got a, a really well trimmed beard. Um, he looks down on you with these real dark eyes and he says, you'll have to surrender those guns, mister. Ought not be walking around with them as is. That's the law. Oh, oh, I don't, I don't like it when people ask for my guns. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to politely show him my badge and say, that's uh that's fine by me. I am the law. Okay. Um, so where do you keep your badge? You keep it like on the inside, like inside of my, yeah, it's under the jacket on the vest, basically. 
Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> for this game, it'll be you opening up your jacket regularly and not Kaz. Got it. Yeah, but um, not all the time like a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way that you can make it work. So he uh, and I said that, and I said he, that he with politely it. too. That wasn't like a dig at him, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What calling him a jackass? That you, was uh, <laughs> that was internal. <laughs> you um, you see that when when you open up your like you kind of go to flash the badge that he leans down to take a look, and so if you keep it open longer, he's not gonna like reach out and grab it, but he is gonna lean in and kind of read the the specifics from it. Um, while he's still kind of close to you, he says, "Huh." Alaska, huh? And you smell there's like a scent of like cedar wood on this guy. He's pretty well kept. I mean, for for ostensibly a doorman or a you know a a, a bouncer type, um, seems to be in in good shape. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it my turn? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. He yeah he was <laughs> he was asking a question. He 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 says Alaska like it's a question. Then he actually kind of oh, he says gotcha. Alaska, huh? And then yeah. he kind of looks up at you, kind of waiting for a response. Just not at him. Say I'm uh, here on business. Actually, don't normally get around these parts. Um, back to business. As he leans back, he you know kind of puts his hands in front of him, and he says, "I won't say anything about the those." Those weapons in, he says, but uh, you, you might want to talk to Marshall Wister in the morning if you ain't already. He's he's going to be a little concerned about citizens, even lawmen such as yourself, wandering around healed here. Uh, he says, for tonight, if you would, just, and he, this is the first time you see, like, any hint of a grin, just keep him in the holsters, please. Of course. I'm going to look back. Can I still see the, the woman singing? Is she still on stage? She has, over the course of this conversation, because you heard as you were walking outside and you could hear this all happening, you heard her say she was going to take a short break. While this has been going on, you've seen her uh, step down from the stage and be escorted by another large gentleman who mm. seems to be taking her kind of to a back room of some kind. I will ask him, uh, kind of nod towards where she was and say, beautiful voice, who's the songbird? <clears throat> Um, he looks over and he goes, yeah, you ain't the first one, mister. He explains it's, uh, her name is, is, uh, Lila Denslow and that she is, um, by far the music hall saloon's biggest draw. Uh, she comes in, uh, to perform this original composition of hers. You may have heard it, uh, the ballad of Bogwater Bill. And she comes in once a night to perform that to, um, accompaniment by their their fiddler who actually has now just picked back up and is playing so it's live entertainment in in there right now uh he's playing something a little more upbeat than the ballad though now that she's she stepped down for the time being um do me a favor and make a persuasion roll i know you're not actively trying to persuade him but i'm going to see how interested he is in giving up any further information okay well i'm not very good at it so here we go okay that's do you have a die in it at all no. <laughs> okay, so we're he, gonna subtract two, whatever the from whatever the total. He's, he's not very persuasive. Oh, well, hey, that's explosive oh. though. That's a good one. Hey, hey, keep it going. That's a good one. Keep it going. It's a good night. Well, I got a six out of it. Yeah, yeah, six total, <coughs> which is not bad. Um, you've been you've been Wait, cordial man. enough and not problematic enough um, that this guy seems like a, to have lightened up a little bit around you. <clears throat> and so rather than just sort of leaving it off at what he said, 
he kind of goes on. Uh, at this point, by the way, he's like kind of escorting you in rather than keeping you standing out basically on the porch all night. He's kind of walking in with you, not really abandoning his post. You can see him glance over his shoulder every once in a while to see if anyone's approaching the door. Um, but he goes on to explain that Lila heard that story, the story of, you know, Bogwater Bill from uh, the town drunk guy everybody calls Nails, but his real name is Buster Trenchworth. And he says, and ever since then, she's just become fascinated by this story. She even sent word uh, to the U.S. Marshal's office to look for this woman, Sarah Houck, who is uh, supposedly the the subject of the, the story and of the, the song itself. So the song's not about her. It's not about her husband or anyone that she lost. It's about this woman. And uh, Lila just seems to have kind of taken an edge to or a, a shine to it and, and an interest in it. Um, ever since she got to be kind of a bigger deal, she's moved into the Easton Hill Hotel. I ask him if he's ever heard about this uh, bong water bill. <laughs> bong water. Uh, if, it's, if it's a true story, he, if it's just a legend. He says that he is aware of it, um, but like anything out in the West, you know, there's you got to take everything with a grain of salt and then some... Um, he might even use the phrase a grain of ghost rock since it is such a, a wild sort of tall tale. Uh, give me a second. I'll tell you exactly what it is that he knows about it and what he's sort of willing to uh, to maybe share about it at this point. Um, <clears throat> what little he is aware of, according to the tale that Nails tells everyone... Um, he spends his days nowadays for, you know, for what it's worth, seeking the bottom of a bottle, right? Like many, but this one in particular has a reason for that. He, he kind of slips in and out of crowds here, and you never know where you're going to find him. Not a fine establishment. You won't find him here on any given night for the most part. But if you can track him down and buy him around, he'll tell you what he saw. <clears throat> now, supposedly, he... Um, went out into the, the, the bog itself, which is, uh, there's a place called the bog lands that is kind of just right outside of, of Houston Hill. It's one of the environs in and around the area. Cause this is more than just this one town. There are more spaces out there too. Um, <clears throat> says that he, he went out there, uh, looking for, uh, his friends, this Sarah Halk and a man named Warfield Phoenix. Um, who were establishing a little homestead out that way. He went looking for him. And since he hadn't heard from him in a while, he thought maybe bandits had struck, but evidently he saw something a bit worse and uh, kind of lost his marbles. So he says, that's really all I know to tell you about it. But uh, if you can get your hands on old Trenchworth on old nails, he might have more to say again, providing you wet his whistle. Might go for a bit of whistle wetting myself. Actually, uh, you seem uh, you seem pretty pretty friendly, friend, and like you respect the law. So maybe you can help me out with something. <clears throat> he glances back over his shoulder at the door again and says, "Well, uh, law dog, I don't know that I can quite abandon my post, but I'll certainly see what I can do." Just wondering if you know a know a fella by the name of uh, I hope I get the name right. It's Lynn Buckle, right? Is it? Uh-huh. Lynn, yeah. Lynn Buckles. Lynn Buckles. Uh, <clears throat> mind by the name of Lynn Buckles, do you? Make another persuasion roll. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Make a... Uh, well, yeah, it'd be persuasion. Yeah, go ahead. But that's my worst one. 
<laughs> no, that ain't good. Can I get another six like I did last time? No, I got a zero on both. So. <laughs> uh, that doesn't mean that you've like offended him or anything. It's just basically he's trying to come up with a um, <clears throat> with a name. He, he's he's rattling around in his brain and he says Buckles, Buckles, Lynn Buckles. Hell of a show name, but I don't suppose he was a performer. He kind of rattles it around again a little bit longer and. Eventually, he says, um, I mean, most folk around here are minors. If if that fellow you're talking about was a minor, you should probably go ask over at the Emporium. Uh, they outfit just about all the independents around these parts, and I'm assuming he didn't work for old Heaston, or you'd have looked in those records already. Oh, I just got into town today myself and hadn't a chance to, <laughs> to do much other than take in some nightlife and some uh, beautiful music. Nightlife. Yeah, he... He laughs and, and kind of nods a little bit. Um, says, once again, well, the Emporium is probably then your best bet. He said, if you're looking for public records, uh, that'd be the land claims office. But, of course, they're going to be closed right now. Um, <clears throat> that's that's He, he kind of just trails off of that. You can see him doing his best to help you out, but he, he really doesn't know any other direction to take that. Well, I'm going to take his advice now that I've snapped back into uh, work mode because Killian Legion is a consummate professional, if nothing else. And he is going to he is going to head out and kind of look into some things. And thanks the the nice man and looks back towards uh, the singer or where she was and tells him to tell her uh, that Killian Legion sends his uh, regards. Yeah. Buy a drink uh, for me. If um, if the gentleman at the bar hadn't or at the door hadn't yet given you his name, he gives it now. His name is Ethan Nelson. Ethan. He reaches out to to, sh- to shake your hand. It's Ethan. Yeah, Ethan Nelson. He reaches out to shake your hand. Uh, he makes mention that you know while this place here isn't his, it's his partner's. Um, everybody knows him as Coal Oil, but his name is Pete Stoudenmire. He says, "Don't tell him I said that, though." He gets so embarrassed. Um, he says, if there's uh, anything else we can do for you, Ranger, by all means, let us know. Thank you kindly. I tell him where I'm staying at in case he can think of any other information. He, again, laughs a little bit at that and says, well, ain't many other places to stay here in Houston or Headstone, as you'll probably come to find it. Start to walk off, but before I leave, I do turn around and one more question. The, uh, the stables. Seems to be an awful uh, injury to that building. They were kind of coy about it. What do you know about that? Uh, you don't have to make a roll here. Uh, he legitimately tells you that he, he <laughs> knows uh, the gentleman who, who runs the stables. And he says, Mose Drockman is a, is a great man, and it's a real shame if anything's happening over that way, but I'm God's honest with you here, Ranger. I don't know a thing about that. It's just a real shame. Nod and tip my head at him, and I... Tell him good night and uh, I walk off. All right. I assume the so, uh, the the emporium that he's talking about is that is this this is a shop, right? This isn't like a bar that's going to be open at night. I'm assuming. Yes. No. The emporium is 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 its own place. Uh, actually, you would have had information on that in the first place. 
So the Emporium is actually just the name of the place. It has no additional name. It's just called the Emporium. Um, you know from the early information you were given that this is the mining equipment outfitters in Houston. If you need the anything from the mundane to the cutting edge, so a basic pickaxe all the way up to the closest thing that this era would have to like a water saw, like powered by Ghost Rock. Um, the owner's name is, uh, his last name is Moore. You didn't get a first name because everyone just calls him Stretch. Uh, hmm. But he keeps the shelves well stocked. And I'm assuming yeah, it would decidedly be closed at yeah. 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> if anybody's mining at this time of day, they're doing so with a candle and with a, a glint in their eye. Well, in that case, uh, with it being 11, I'm going to head back to the hotel and get some shut eye um, so I can go talk to the employee. What'd you say, Chief? Um <laughs> I just just do what the character said. Uh, so I could go investigate this in the morning. Okay. Is uh, the consensus that the rest of you are also heading back to the hotel? That seemed to be what I was getting before you. Yeah. That's what all I right. want to do. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to say that these things all happen basically roughly over the same amount of time. Um, such that as you all start making your way back toward the hotel and you're leaving kind of roughly the same places, killing, you might be a few steps ahead of them, given that they were at the bar a little bit longer than you. Um, but if you're heading back down main street there, you would probably all catch up maybe right around the, the same time or so meet somewhere right around second Avenue, um, just two or three spaces away from where you would be coming up to the hotel the streets by the way at this point in night are decidedly starting to die down there's a few drunkards here and there uh there are no horses or vehicles at this point moving around town in fact you haven't seen a lot of that at all uh every once in a while somebody will ride a ride a horse through uh, town but um it's it's clear that they're doing so at a, a slow trot it's it's a civilized way of going about things um but yeah, the, the night is, is definitely starting to die down quite a bit um, as you all catch up to each other. The electric lights still glowing as brightly as ever, every once in a while, giving that little dim and then coming back and you hear that hum of electricity. Um, but what happens as you all run into each other again for the first time in a while? Wait, all of us? Were we all in the same yes. bar? I wasn't. No. No. No, he left you guys behind. Oh, that's right. Sorry. That's good. That's vital information. I, I forgot that. <laughs> For your everyday life. You know why he was at a different bar, Kaz? Because of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would... Uh, I my hand with him after. I would just kind of look at them all and nod and keep walking. He's He's not a talkative person with these people yet. Okay. Clearly. What about the rest of you? I'm, well, I'm a little tipsy. Share. I'm well, going yeah, to no, bed. Depending on how tipsy everyone is, I'll wait till the morning to share the information that there's going to be a judge in town. So, <laughs> yeah, because they probably won't remember it if I tell them tonight. I'm going straight to give that pillow some Z's. So, <laughs> actually, before I oh. do that, though, I do kind of like take a moment. I'm assuming in this room there's a little desk. Um, oh, hang I, on, hang on. We're not even there yet. You guys are still outside. Yeah, you're talking about going to bed. You guys, you guys caught up. Quietly. 
Yeah, you guys would have met up somewhere around the corner of Main Street and 2nd Avenue, which is about two or three houses or uh, buildings down from the hotel. The hotel's number 22 there, so it's a little ways toward the east. So basically, my my intention here was you're all catching up to each other at the same time. If you want to have some kind of conversation, if you want to discuss your night here before you get back into the hotel, that's completely up to you. If not, then we'll just we'll uh, move past that. Um but since that seemed to be the case, I do need everyone to make a notice roll. Doing it. Okay. I did that good. Um, yeah, I do, I do good notice. Any Anyone who has had a drink tonight will do this at a penalty that I will take care of. Ah, is, I is have this, a drink. <laughs> is this for a surprise or like a... Is it no. basically like am I in danger of a thing? Okay. So mine well, is investigator. Not in the sense that you're talking about. No, I know what you're Okay, doing. okay. Cool. Hunter, so Hunter. my my investigator trait gives me a plus two on certain types of notice roles. And I'm just kind of curious, okay. is this something that my unique observational skills would would give me a benefit in? Does it what what specifically does it say that it gives you bonuses to let me see here? Certain types of notice roles. What does that mean? I, I think that is at the so, discretion of the the dungeon gamer, right? Master. So basically, I have gamer. a I have danger sense, and this is rolling okay. for a surprise. I get a plus two to my notice roll. So I'm guessing that's okay. what that what he means. Hold yeah, I I would okay. Just just to make this really simple for you guys, I would not do the, I I would not add that bonus on your end, Doctor. But I would yeah. add the investigator one on your end. Um, mine's different. Hunter, I got a six. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for My this. best is a four. <laughs> I got a five because I got three and I got a plus two. Okay. And I minus my six, so four. Okay. I got three. Four, five, six, and a three total. Okay. So. Wait, I do a six as well? Yes. Yeah. Anytime you make a roll that isn't a damage roll, you always get a wild die. There it is. Wild die. One. Shit. Oh. <laughs> okay well that answers that question real quick so technically you uh you critically failed there um but fortunately this is not a situation where that makes any kind of major issue um that does mean though thatcher maybe you had a couple extra drinks while you were yeah, trying to get stories much. out of these old guys <laughs> yeah, a little too much, much man you might uh and, and that actually might answer a little bit of the the question here as to why even though your compatriots had drinks they they didn't have quite as many as you um they're kind of having to hold you up like you you go stumbling That's a little true. bit and and they have to catch you so it doesn't quite catch their attention uh, that means but, that uh but i'm curious oh, if this is a situation where he could kind of like have a moment of lucidity and get lucky <laughs> no no <laughs> not unless you want to spend a benny for it i got a few of them that's your that's your choice. If you want to spend a penny to re-roll any tray roll, that's how they work. But that's true for I'm all hammered. of you. I'm hammered. My friends are holding me. I'm going home. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm um, not spending a build Benny if on they this notice guy. Something, so. They'll tell me when I'm <laughs> when I'm sober again. Um Killian, this is something that's going to happen pretty quickly. Um, so it's not you're not gonna really have time to to react to it in any particular way, but it is information that I want to pass on to you. As you guys are are heading in the general direction, well, you guys, in the sense that you are and your compatriots are, whether you're doing so as a group or not. Um, as you're heading toward the hotel, as you get within a couple of, of buildings there, uh, something catches your attention from the kind of the right side of the street. It's a gentleman who is moving from, or I'm sorry, the left side, it is moving from that direction, like where the, the hotel is, back over toward the opposite side of the street. 
and um, he, as he's sort of like, I guess the best way to describe it is loping across the street. Think, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and I can't think of the name of the film, but the the Sasquatch walk, like the the Bigfoot walk, yeah. right? He kind of almost walks that way. I can't think of the name of those guys who who made that film, and that's what they call it. I keep uh, wanting to say Sasquatch. But it's a pruder. Yeah, I was gonna say I keep thinking it's a pruder, and that's yeah. not it. <laughs> um, but the, the gentleman who's walking across the street kind of looks that way. This is another particularly tall individual, but he's not big in the way that Mr. Nelson was, or that you are, where you're you know kind of muscled and, and clearly do a you know a lot of like manual labor. Um, this guy is really tall, really lanky, and really thin. And as he sort of like lopes across the street, he turns to look at you. Um, with this kind of haunted look on his face, he actually stops in the middle of the street. He looks at you and you can see that the thing that's so off putting about him in that electric light, which is kind of like dimming seemingly like more in his presence is that his neck is like exceptionally long. So much so that his head kind of lolls to the left when he looks at you. And it's this kind of, again, it's not really an inquisitive look. It's almost like he's looking right through you. And it seems like maybe you're doing the same. A moment later, he picks up right where he left off. He says nothing. He never blinks. And he walks across the the rest of the street, walking away, continuing that kind of loping walk. By the time you really kind of snap to and realize what has happened, he's gone. And he's nowhere to be seen. Uh, I was about to say, first thing I want to do is try to follow him. <laughs> Can I pick up uh, his trail? Yeah, you're, you're, you're welcome to if you want to head in that direction. Um, let's take a look at your skills and see what we might... Uh, you can absolutely walk that way, but if you're trying to, to kind of pick up anything in particular... Notice? No, that would be a survival thing. Survival's all about tracking and that sort okay. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of walk in his direction. I'm gonna tell the I'm gonna tell them to uh, to be on their toes and to sober up real quick, and then I'm gonna. Wanna, I've got toes. Okay, you sure do. <laughs> um, you sure do, buddy. They're all there down. Uh, I got a four. Play. Okay. Um, because this is, you know, a well-worn path and there's lots of footprints, it's going to be very difficult to find a particular set of them. Um, luckily, because it is cold and there are little patches of snow here and there, you can see some footprints that led off the right side <laughs> of the street there. They look like, so there's two labeled uh, uh, buildings there. One's labeled 28 and one is 11. That means you would be looking at the Debony Cafe and Cigar Store uh, at 11 there, which is right across the street from the hotel. It is long since closed for the night. Uh, but now that you're aware of it, and you're on that side of the street, you can kind of get that scent of like fresh tobacco that's coming from inside there. Um, the other building, however, you don't have any information on or haven't in advance. Um, so then it would only be getting sort of near it here that you see that it is the land claims and a say office. This would be where folks go to file their claims um, for any kind of mining purposes, any place that they have found a, a, a seam and they want to lay claim to it. That would be where people go to, to do that kind of thing. Again, long closed for the night. Um as best you can tell, there are some kind of like long loping strides that lead somewhere. Actually, um, 
between the cigar store and that empty building right beside it. Uh, and they head off into that kind of grassy patch behind it. In the distance, you can not see because you're getting away from the electric light, but you can hear the rush of Smith's Fork Creek. Um, but at this point, you're losing light. So unless you have a light source or want to spark one up, um, I probably shouldn't have used that phrase, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> you're, uh, you're, <laughs> you're, you're not going to be able to, to see directly what's going on. Um... And you, importantly, you do not see a gentleman there. I actually this don't. One you saw or otherwise. I don't have a light source of any kind. Kicking myself. Mm. All I have Shame. is a, all I have is a gun. I guess I could shoot it in that direction and see what Dude. happens. Um, don't do that. <laughs> do it. Okay, so which which direction did it go out to? To the woods so if you're looking at the map yeah it looks like it heads right through so the hotel is at 22 which if you're looking at where it says main street is to your right there um this person seemed to walk across the street from left to right so from roughly where the hotel is uh over to where you now know is debony's cigar store and cafe um between those two buildings and somewhere out into the woods behind there it leads directly down into smith's fork creek there well, he's Once not, you get past those buildings, you're past the light. Well, he's not stupid. He's not a he's not an Alaskan ranger because he goes chasing ghosts into the middle of the night in territory he doesn't know. So he's going to head back to the hotel, but he is going to remember this where which way they went. Okay. All right. Um, as you all come back into the the Houston Hill Hotel, it is much quieter, much dimmer. The uh, the bar, that little kind of mini bar, I guess, of theirs has closed down for the evening, and there is no one lounging about in the lounge area. Um, there is one attendant on duty at the front desk who uh, just happens to be one who you all saw earlier. You get the idea that the night guard has basically already changed, so that way they're remembering faces and such, and you get a genial uh, greeting for the evening and kind of a just a, a simple gesture of you know to your rooms that kind they, of thing uh, they have a mini to go on up they have a mini bar that's where uh thatcher was earlier it's when i say mini bar what i mean is instead of like a full rail and an actual you know bar with a fully stocked shelf and all that bar. it's like a half it's like a half liquor bar um, <laughs> it's basically just there to serve like cocktails and stuff to those who are in the lounge and reception area so if but you were to get a if you were to get a cocktail over there, like do they serve food too, would someone come up to you and say something like, "Hey, enjoying your <laughs> shrimp?" No. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> so was Lindsay. She walked out. Job's done. <laughs> so uh, I don't want to speak for your characters, but you guys said you wanted to head upstairs for well, the evening. Well, I'm gonna first. I'm gonna ask uh, the. The full the half liquor bar manager. If he saw anybody strange coming out of the hotel before we walked in, so so there is nobody at the actual bar, but at the main <laughs> counter, like the yeah. you know, check-in counter and all that, there's a, a female attendant. Um, you're asking if she saw anyone strange come through. If if anyone uh, came through the hotel that seemed off, anything weird. Uh, she kind of scrunches her her eyebrows together, kind of knits them together, and says. No, sir, not to speak of. 
I'm gonna try to do the motion that I saw. No, nobody walking with a lope like this or anything. <laughs> um, now she looks even more like kind of confused. Although maybe it's less confusion and more of a like there might be a, a misconception here. You get the idea that she thinks maybe you've had a, a couple too many to drink, and she she says with only a hint of amusement, "No, sir, no one walking like that around here except for you." I show her my badge and threaten her. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll intimidation. Desk clerk. Uh, <laughs> I kind of just nod at her and uh, yeah, go upstairs. Okay. So you all are able to obviously make your way upstairs easily. No interruptions there. Is there anything you want to do in particular before you call it an evening? I just want to look- go to bed. I'm going to relax. I'm gonna look at the metal sheet underneath my bed and <laughs> try to develop a plan to get that to sure. my, to my it's, car. Um, it's, so <laughs> once again, this is a, a very, a very large uh, metal sheet. I can give you the exact details on the, the sizing <laughs> and all of that of it. Um, but basically about as big as a, as a twin size bed. Like it runs the entire length underneath it. Oh shit. Um, nice. Yeah. It's, it's huge. This, um, this is going to be a, like a four man job minimum. It has, a, it has a hardness of 14 and it is literally riveted into the floor. Like in, and probably uh, I would say maybe two inch like sections. I mean, just mm. looking at it, you're a little drunk. So you <laughs> might take a while to count all the specific ones. If you lay there trying to count, the rivets in it you might fall asleep on the sheet and not the bed um you know what yeah let's go with that okay all right i'm fine with don't that. wake up with a crick in his neck um is there is there, sleeping in a normal bed is there any uh is there a balcony or anything to these rooms um, to the presidential suite, indeed, there is. Now, importantly, it um, as it looks out, kind of on the the back area of of the hotel, you're basically looking down into that space ben, uh, below it. There, that is number forty six. Let me tell you exactly what you're looking at there. Um, right below it is uh, you see in this kind of. Uh, open space that's behind all of these buildings, including where you are, uh, what looks like a a huge tree stump. Um, And it's kind of got like some decorative fencing around it and that sort of thing. Uh, This is something that you might not have a ton of information on, but you know what it looks like. Most civilized towns like this have like a, a designated speaking area. And it looks like in Terrytown or Heaston or Headstone, whatever you want to call it, Headstone Hill, um, rather than having it literally in the middle of town or maybe somewhere like where a judge would set up, it has kind of sprung up around some of the nicer businesses this time. So this is probably like a big speaker's stump. It actually looks like there's a, a little plaque down there, but you can't quite read it from where you are. Um, but yeah, you can you can step out onto the balcony. There's not much to it. It's a very like... Um, narrow balcony and there's there's like maybe a couple of plush chairs out there um, well i'm gonna, I'm gonna it's, pop. it's cold i'll tell you that much it is chilly out there my papa seat in that chair i just realized as i'm looking through my inventory that my character has a guitar so he's gonna sit out there on the uh the balcony with his guitar just kind of strumming a little bit and staring out into the night 
clear in his mind. In the distance, in the distance, you hear "Shut the hell up!" Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> he plunks no, it louder uh, and starts playing "All Star" by Smash Mouth. <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> any? Uh, no, yeah, yeah. You can totally do that. I, I love that visage. I'm, I'm joking about it, but I love the idea. Um, <laughs> it, it is very cold. Again, you guys are up in the mountains in Wyoming, and it is. He's uh, from Alaska, know, dude like summertime of year. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. you're, you're kind it, of used to it. It ain't going to affect him. Um, yeah. Then your partner might be a little cold considering he's sharing the room with you. Yeah, but, he's uh, drunk. He's probably asleep anyway. Well, that was going to be my question was uh, next with Thatcher. What, what do you do when you arrive in the presidential suite? Actually, um, hold on. Let me check something here. <laughs> I should have done this while y'all were talking. Do I have an it's okay. instrument? Sorry. I have dynamite. well that is that is an instrument of destruction yes (laughs) no actually here uh, thatcher decides like he's he's been drinking a little bit but he's starting to sober up a touch he hears the music that's coming from the balcony it's a little chilly so he figures he's not gonna really rock the boat here it's fine he's from the midwest gets cold there sometimes so he doesn't have an instrument but he wants to play with him he wants to. He, he has a, a notion for it. So, using his kind of clever nature, he starts kind of like pulling some things together. Using kind of like his, uh, I don't know. He's got a rope, so he kind of like pulls some strings, pieces out of that rope, um, and then uses something like maybe uh, his, uh, I don't know, his satchel or sorry, not satchel, but um, MacGruber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He starts using some different <laughs> items from his his his, uh, his bag and in the local room and creates this uh, improvised instrument. Kind of a guitar, but more like a lap thing with strings on it. Yeah, okay. Yep, and um, he's not saying that he's he's well learned in this, but he's got, a, he's got a, a, an ear for music, so he starts to try and play it um, out there with him. So, uh, oh gosh, I have to decide because I, I know I kind of have a say in like how these things work and what you get to do with them and how. Um, how you let's make this play. a re- let's make this a repair roll. That's repair? the the closest thing I can think to basically what you're doing. You're not actually fixing something, but it is one of the required stats for the MacGyver uh, of edge. Yeah. And I yeah. got a D8 on that one. Yeah, repair also gives you a little more than than smarts. I think yeah. smarts is a little too generic for that. Yeah. All right, here it comes. And let's see. He's okay. going to drop that like it's hot with a one. Oh, my God. Boy, things are going real roll, great for roll me. Your, roll your wild die. You still get the wild die. Yeah, it's coming. And again, this is a very – oh, my God. <laughs> Do, can you not? Right. Okay, That's hold on. four in a row. hotel staff on you. I need to call is- out the fact that I've rolled a one in my last four rolls. Jeez. So importantly, the good news is these are really low stakes rolls. Like it's not like you're really trying I don't to give accomplish a damn. much. I'm using a fucking Benny. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. What I was gonna describe while you're doing that, and I'll just go ahead and throw it out there, was you know how in Sea of Thieves when you're playing instruments and you're drunk, like to you it sounds awesome, but oh. to everyone else it's like, bring, 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 like up that's kind of what. Yeah, where yeah. they. Yeah, he's got yep. the bunny ears yep. on and the tutu. Yep. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Let's and try I'm gonna, this again. I'll, spin a Benny. Spin a Benny, and here it come. 
eight. Oh, much better. That's well. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that's a six year old again, but and you still get your your wild eye again too. So we'll see. If oh that yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where you would add the two if if it. I apologize. Better. Well, that's okay. Six and yeah, you have a six right now as the best possible version yeah. so far. Boom! There you go. Now, now roll that one again, and that's the one we're gonna add the two to once it finishes acing. There we go. So it's a 10 total. All right. Nine. I just made the most yeah. kick. You got a six and a two, plus you get another one. Yeah. Yeah. So so if it's all right with you, I'm going to incorporate both of those situations. Technically, a Benny is supposed to be a, like, we just pretend that didn't happen. But I like the idea instead that we kind of put them together. So you start fiddling around with just stuff. You're just pulling stuff out of your pack and trying to make something work. And at first... um, I imagine Killian sees this. Killian, what's your reaction? This guy who is clearly a little bit tipsy is just going hard, pulling stuff out of his pack and trying to figure something out with it. Um, you're you're actively playing your guitar. What's your reaction to this? Uh, Killian's pretty straight laced for the most part. You know, right. he's from the wilds of Alaska. He's seen some things in his day. He's done some things in his day. So seeing some drunken jackass pulling stuff out of his backpack and trying to put it together, he's just gonna. It doesn't even affect him. He just keeps watching him and keeps playing. Yeah. So <laughs> as you're playing, you kind of get lost in, in the, the song that you're playing. Eventually you see like that. You're like fiddling around with the strings and almost, almost like it happens in like a pocket of time. Like you, you kind of lose a little bit of time there. Suddenly you hear him like testing the tensile strength of these strings and it doesn't sound half bad. And then you see him kind of like, listening to you like he literally like perks his ear in your direction and starts like picking a string here and there and the next thing you know he's got a little bit of a a harmony going with you like he has kind of filled in the blanks of your kind of simple you know melody that, that you know only one instrument can generally produce um it's not bad it's really not bad. Your reaction to it is your own uh, for the both of you. I'm not going to tell you how you feel about these things, but in a literal sense, that's that's what takes place. Eventually, you do craft a, a pretty um, viable little makeshift instrument. I'll, I'll play along with it and play along with it until uh, we kind of finish the song together and look at each other. And he look, definitely looks like he has a sense of pride about him for playing it and i'm gonna kind of sit the guitar down and 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 kind of lean forward in my seat at him and say you i can tell are one of the most insufferable people i've ever met in my life <laughs> and i can no longer sanction your buffoonery tonight <laughs> and i'm gonna uh, stand up pat him on the shoulder and i walk in there and uh put my hat off and take take my shirt off reveal the 12 abs um, that I wish I had, <laughs> and the muscle spark, sparkle, sparkle muscles, and uh, sparkle, muscles. sparkle muscles. I'm gonna lay down into bed and put the hat over my head in classic uh, cowboy fashion, and that's all I'm gonna say yeah. to him. <clears throat> Fern, how is the rest of your night gone? I sorry, Thatcher. I'm assuming you follow suit at some point. Oh yeah, I probably fall asleep like playing or something. <laughs> Fern, how is the rest of your night gone? 50, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, since I'm back in my nice quiet room myself, uh, not terrible, but I'm running the, uh, I've probably looked over our paperwork one more time that okay. the letters and stuff that we were sent for this actual 
ordeal so that hopefully tomorrow we can make some progress. But for the most part, I'm going to call it a night pretty quickly and just as you as you're thumbing through those documents, because uh, most of them are about the same size. You have that letter, of course, uh, from the Tombstone Epitaph editor. You've got, uh, who's part of the, the Twilight Legion, you've got those newspaper clippings. The only thing that isn't, like, properly the same kind of sheet-sized kind of got lost in the shuffle. And so as you're moving those papers around, you feel something kind of slide out from them, and it kind of flutters down until it hits your boot or hits, you know, somewhere near your feet, um, however you're, you're seated and... and uh, tired at this point in time. It's a picture. And all at once it dawns on you, I do have a picture of this gentleman. Because as you pick it up, it's that picture of George J.A. Reed, who again, a.k.a. is Lynn Buckles. Yeah. You do actually know what he looks like. And you kind of flash back to a moment when you had asked about him and someone had asked, well, what is it? What does he look like? And and you had told him, oh, I, I don't have a, a way of showing. Well, technically, technically you do. And so this is something to, uh, you know, do with what you will keep in mind, potentially use again in the future. I'll drop a, uh, like a screenshotted version of that picture in here so you can see it again. But, um, this is Mr. Reege, AKA Mr. Buckles. Um, but in any case, that's a little, little something to pass on to you before you, you know, take your, uh, Take you <laughs> no, most people from that that era. Um, so at this point, then that means that everyone has found their way to sleep, whether it's on a heavy metal plate underneath their bed or on a comfortable feather pillow. <laughs> um, in turn, I want each of you to tell me what a nightmare for your character would be like. This doesn't have to be the worst dream you've ever had. But what does a bad dream for your character look like? Maybe even not a recurring one. Just something they might have as a as a bad dream. In whatever order you like. Oh, I can feel that because that's all he has are bad dreams. <laughs> um, a bad dream for him is, uh, and, and they don't know this, so you guys can't use this in the future. Um, this is just for the, the audience sake. A bad dream for him is him as a child, youngin, uh, in his room, hearing the sounds of, of laughter, drunken laughter, and it's like a slideshow. You don't see all of it. You see bits and pieces. You hear the laughter. You see him sitting in the corner as as he hears this, this violence outside and this laughter. Uh, you see a woman who is, I mean, I'll just put it out there, is his mother, laying dead on the floor with these men kind of standing over her. Um, you see his father drunk and laughing, and then you see a pistol and you just see gunshots. You hear gunshots. You see him screaming and he sees his mother's face and it just happens over and over again. It's like on cycle on repeat. And he wakes up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. No matter how many times he has that dream, it gets him every single time. And uh, he does wake up from that dream just briefly and he kind of looks over at his gun belt and then he lays down and kind of shifts directions and puts the pillow over his head like he's trying to almost like you hear thunder outside and you're trying to drown out the sound because you're scared of it. He's um, he's trying to silence something, even though there's nothing going on. 
um, that that would be his greatest nightmare is reliving that over and over again. Okay. <laughs> Who else? Who's next? So I, I wouldn't really call it like his greatest nightmare. Thatcher's seen and, a lot. And it of doesn't have to be. But as he drifts off to sleep, his mind kind of swirling and with with thoughts of this this like corporate intrigue mine company here he's he's very much in the present where this location is and the hidden secrets he kind of finds himself engulfed in a nightmare kind of born from that that subconscious now in this dream he's wandering through the desolate streets of uh heston hill is that right Heston. Heston yes. hill um a bit of an eerie silence broken kind of up only by like a distant uh like there's a, there's these distant rumbles of explosions happening um, echoing kind of like through the night, not necessarily from any direct, uh, anywhere in particular, but from all directions. <clears throat> Air, very kind of like stench of smoke, sulfur, and a, a pretty harsh darkness kind of over this potentially once thriving town. Um, he, he's kind of walking through the, the different alleyways, very shadowy, very dark, kind of a sense of dread starts to gnaw at him. Um, something kind of like an impending doom, like behind kind of every corner, he's starting to feel this kind of this reaching grasp from the darkness. Every corner kind of like revealing some new thought of, of fear is kind of nightmare. Now he finds himself like at one point kind of like standing before this facade of this mining company's, uh, their headquarters, I guess it is. Uh, windows kind of really dark, um, like like kind of like eyes staring at him from the from, from the building itself, very personified. Uh, cold shiver running down his back, you know. And then he starts to step inside. Don't know why he does, but he just feels the drive to go in. Um, now as he's in the depths of this building, he stumbles upon his kind of like. Like this hidden chamber, I don't know, it's kind of a weird little space that he goes kind of down into. Um, weird symbols, weird kind of like things he's seeing on the wall that's kind of etched in there. And then he finally comes to like the center of some kind of like room. Uh, open, standing kind of, and then standing in the middle of it is this this figure, just kind of shrouded uh, in the shadows. Um, but this eye is kind of glowing, looking back at him. Very kind of like transparent also in a way. Not really, it's there, but it's not kind of wispy. And the fear just kind of grips him. At this point, he just turns, starts to run. He's not really wanting to engage on this thing. Um, footsteps, just his own footsteps are kind of chasing through this corridor. And he finds himself like just being pulled into, into just like stuck in this darkness. Like it was like physical, just kind of pulling and yank, yanking at him. Um, and a, 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 as he's running along, all he hears in the background is this, like, he feels the figure getting closer to him. Laughter just, like, shrieking out through the, 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 like, breaking through the silence. And eventually, he's just, his ears just kind of collapse into this kind of, like, death knell. He just freaks out. And all of, as everything kind of feels lost, he wakes up, heart pounding, sweat, beating up on his brow, gasping for breath, kind of looks around notices that his co his comrade is kind of still asleep over there and he's just kind of realizing it's only a dream at this point but very much kind of like ever present with this local place definitely letting him know that something's wrong here Fern what about you mine would be a little more abstract that retail being chased by something but not necessarily being able to see what it is. There's just a lot of darkness surrounding everything. And at some point during the chase, falling 
and almost being just consumed by a dark liquid. Okay. All right. And doctor. So, I imagine I'm on the beach with a woman and a small child. Um, doesn't a, a really minor. quite have a minor, if you will. I said I wouldn't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can't really tell if these are people that he knows because can't really get any detailed uh, features uh, from any of their faces or even like what they're wearing. Very, he just knows that on the beach with a, a you know a woman and a child, he turns around. And suddenly he's in a jail cell. Uh, guards are coming by. He, they come uh, to take him away somewhere. Can't quite remember where. And then uh, next moment he sees himself in a lab with maybe 10 to 15 soldiers in front of him. He can actually remember pretty distinctly each face uh, where it's just, you know, that military buzz cut, uh, no nonsense, just, you know, straight edge soldier. All, all 15 of them. Looks like they could be like the best of the best, cream of the crop. And then the next moment, uh, they just burst into flames, like the blue ethereal flames. He sees the eyes melting, almost kind of like the scene from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark at the very end of the movie with all the people's faces melting off. But it's more of an ethereal, more supernatural blue flame. And as you watch the bodies burn, uh, it just kind of repeats that image over and over in his dream throughout the night before we call it a night here I need every one of you to make a notice roll I will tell you this is at a penalty and none of your bonuses any investigative or anything like that surprise stuff will apply here so I just need your straight up rolls remember you do still get your wild die three is my best since I don't get a bonus I feel like I should roll a Benny for that. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to do a Benny. I'm going to do a Benny. I've got so many of them. Yeah, I'm going to use one. Can I use Hunter, can I use a Benny? Benny. I I will say that all of you were about to receive a Benny anyway, so you don't have to add or subtract one if you're going to use one right now. Okay. If you're not going to use one, then you you can uh, add one. God damn, stop with threes. I'll take the five. Oh, reluctant got the old eight there, though. Yeah. Oh, shit, I did. I didn't even see that. My bad. Hold yeah, on. Roll, roll that again. Roll, Let me roll that again. Do it. Don't roll it again. You're good. Well, no, I had to. It, it, no, it uh, exploded. exploded. Yeah. He exploded. Yeah. He aced it. Yeah. So, so he got a 12 on that. So 12, yeah. Oh, no, wait. Sorry. No, that 11. Was a three on that. 11. Yeah. Because I was a 1d6. Yeah. And then yeah, my best is a six. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to roll two. Okay. And boom. Nope. Five again. (laughs) Five, six, eleven, and Fern, what did you get? Five. 
five. <clears throat> a couple of you highlighted times that you woke up during the night. So if, if this happens, it's right before you wake up. And it's never enough to fully convince you that it's happening outside of your dreams or sleep anyway. But each of you, if not described, specifically this happening, described a moment where someone could have been screaming. At some point in time in the night, not at the same time necessarily, all of you have a moment where you either sort of wake up or wake just enough from your dream before you fall back asleep and decidedly believe that you hear sort of a muffled scream somewhere out, maybe in the night air, but it's closer than that. Not necessarily close enough to convince you that it's real or that it's even a person. You know, bobcats are known to sound like people when they make some of the noises that they make out in the wild but just enough to give you pause. And we would see these sort of nightmares happening in real time and then in separate windows, almost like we see here in in Discord to break the immersion for a second, all of you sort of snapping to attention at various times of the night hearing this sound and then falling back to sleep. And that's where we're going to call it for tonight. I'd like to stay awake. (laughs) You cannot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're just tired. I you gotta go night The screaming to stop. I'm trying to sleep. Reminds me. <laughs> the Lila has been there at the end. Reminds me of uh, <laughs> reminds me of a real lifetime when I was laying in bed, hearing the wailing scream of a woman. Uh huh. That this actually yep. happened to me, and um, and I did fall asleep somehow during that moment. I clenched my eyes tightly. And I was so scared, I passed out from the fear. So, it's almost—it's almost like I might have based some of this on reality. Anyway. Well, all right. Well, when she leaves me, when she walks out on me in the story, I guess I know who to blame. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for tonight's episode of PZ85 Plays the Horror at Headstone Hill. Job's done. Deadlands game continues uh, next week, but between now and then, we already kind of gave you a little hint of what to expect this week. Tomorrow night, uh, Shannon, Extras and Epilogues, will wrap up uh, two movie February. Sandra Bullock with, February. Uh, Sandra Bullock February with, uh, I think it's 2008, The Proposal, her and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, now uh, that we'll I've... We'll get a rom in there. Now that I've escaped through the sick... Uh, the sick... Dark gray <laughs> mist. And can function as a human being again. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw her the, a bone on this one because I feel like I'm always uh, asking what's happening. She has no idea, but I know she does now. Lindsay, what are we doing on Thursday for After Dark? We are creating now. That's what I call 1980 Godzilla 1985. We are making our own compilation album. So if listeners yeah. want to send us their choices of songs that they would associate with us, do so. Yeah. Oh, that's that is the way I took that assignment because I've already filled it out. I I picked five songs that I feel like are indicative to me, not that are like because, you know, now compilations tend to be like very popular, well-known stuff. Uh This is not that this is stuff that like if I play it, I go, this is like my kind of thing. And you make sure that whenever you're creating, you're submitting these these proposals, these songs, think about horse time and what you might hear playing (laughs) during that 
What I went show. with is like what songs remind me of what shows and that sort of type yes. thing. So I, I base my list entirely on the show. I base my list entirely on what songs you would associate with Podzilla 1985. I'll give you a hint as to one of them. I think this is probably the most <laughs> obvious, especially if you listen do, to Thursday. Do, 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 do. No, what? Oh, sugar, sugar. Do do do. Well, I can't. I can't say that. But all, I think one th- one thing that's associated with the show that we could put on a T-shirt if it were legal that you would associate with Thursday is just two words. Hey, Jim. So. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim. <laughs> And then Friday, I presume for the first time in a while, it's gonna. Speaking of horse time, there he goes. Now, Shannon, where is that horse? There he goes. <laughs> and, the and there you go. And then we're back next Tuesday night again for another edition of PZ85 Plays Deadlands, the Horror Hill. Sure. <laughs> Until then, <laughs> for Kaz, for Stephen, for Lindsay, and for Shannon, the owner. Of Podzilla 1985. I'm your Marshal Double H. Stay safe out there in the Uintas, kids. We'll see you next week. <laughs>